Welcome to the North Brevard Church of Christ podcast. I'm Doug Hunter, one of the elders. We hope that this podcast makes our sermons and Bible studies more accessible. Time, Mike, don't rush. I don't want you having a problem there. I'm going to go this way. Okay? <laughs> uh, I love you, William. <laughs> His name, Carl Adolf Eichmann. Now, in our day and time, that might not mean a lot to you. But if you were here for World War II, it would. You see, Carl Adolf Eichmann supposedly killed more Jewish people than any other man. It wasn't even the kind of killing that you could take. It was the kind of killing where they would line relatives up and mow them down with machine guns and then grin at the people looking on. They'd watch as they pleaded for their lives. There were gas chambers where he just paraded them in and that he made them The relatives, the other Jewish people, carry the bodies out. Somehow at the end of World War II, Eichmann had escaped. Nobody knew where he was for the longest time until January of 1960. And they found him in Argentina. Israel knew that there was a a non-extradition treaty, but they went in and they kidnapped Eichmann and took him to Israel. There he stood trial. One of the witnesses that had seen most of Eichmann's tyranny was a man named Jael Demur. He'd seen Eichmann give orders. He knew the man better than anybody else they could find, and so they tapped him to come in and to testify against Eichmann. When he walked through the door, and he laid eyes on Eichmann. He started crying. And then it got to uncontrolled actions and he actually fell on his face. They waited, he got back up and he did testify. But the noted newscaster, Mike Wallace, had him on his show. And he asked Demir, what happened when you first laid eyes on Eichmann and you end up falling on your face? And 
What the moose said was one of those things that once you hear it, it almost floors you. He said, the last time I had saw Eichmann, he was a big, powerful Nazi. He was no longer big or powerful. I saw a man. A man that was following orders like I would have. And I realized there was a little Eichmann in me. Mike Wallace was stunned for a while. And then he looked back at the mirror and said, there's probably a little Eichmann in all of us. Would you pray with me, please? Father, tonight's one of those nights that it's so important. And I feel so inadequate. Help us to see your plan of salvation. And your plan on how to change us and get the little eight men out of all of us. Lord, I ask that you help me get out of the way so that people can see you. And give them an open heart and an open mind that they can understand. I pray in Jesus' name. For years now, I've been asked questions. I've done this a long time. And people ask me questions like, what do I have to do? And I usually reply, what do you think you have to do? And some people say, well, if you do enough good stuff, if you go out and you help enough good people and you're a good neighbor and, and you look after people, then, then God's going to look down on you and he's going to bless you and he's going to give you good stuff and it's going to be a good life here for you. And that's probably the most often. Then there are people who say, you volunteer for things. You go to the hospital and you can volunteer there or, or you've got this thing that you've got a society over here that you want to join or, or over there and, and they do so much good work and if, if you just give enough time to them and give them a little money when they need it that then, then God God's going to take you to heaven one day or the third group I put in Colossians 2.1, but this is the group that thinks if you've got enough rules and you can keep those rules, if, if you do this and this and this and this, well, if you can do that, then, then God's obligated almost to approve of you if you just keep the rules. Right under that's the biggie for a lot of people. If you keep the Ten Commandments, 
then God will save you. The problem I've had with that is it's all wrong. You see, we haven't taken in the fact that there's a little Eichmann in everybody. And because God knew there was a little Eichmann in everybody, God did it totally different. If you noticed as we've been going through the book of Ephesians, over in chapters 1, 2, and 3, you see what God has done. Then in chapters 4 and 5 and 6, the results of what God has done in our lives. That's not by accident. God wants you to get that into you and to understand we aren't powerful enough to do the right things in order to be saved. For instance, God acts first. You remember in Ephesians chapter 2, he started the, the chapter about how we were following the wrong things. And then God, God acted. And at the end he says, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith. It is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God. Not by works, so that no one can boast, for we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. You are to rely on the love and the power that God has to change you. And all this that God has to change you, he talks about again in chapter 3. For the reason I kneel before the Father, from whom his whole family in heaven and on earth derives his name. I like those two verses. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and how long and how high and how deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge. You don't have the knowledge to live like God wants you to give until God acts. That you may be filled with the measure of all the fullness of God. And to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we ask or imagine, see it, according to his power that is within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Jesus Christ throughout all generations, forever and ever, amen. God acted. And when God acted, he put things in us. Things that enable us to love like we've never loved before. Things to, to give us power to do the work that we've never been able to do before. To go beyond 
even what we imagined we could do. Because God was in us. God acted before. Chapter 4. Again, God acts. He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than the heavens in, in order to fill the whole universe. It was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be pastor teachers, to prepare God's work, people for works of service so the body of Christ may be built up. He came along, he gave us gifts, he gave us power, and that brings us to the unity of the faith because we have a knowledge of the Son of God and it matures us. God acted first. He gave us the power to get the little Eichmann out of us. And then there's chapter 5. Well, the rest of chapter 4. Instead, we speak the truth in love. We'll grow up into him who is the head from whom the whole body joined together and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. That's not normal for everyday people. But once God acts, it is the norm. Or chapter five, four, be compassionate and kind, forgiving one another just as God, just as in Christ, God forgave you. And he, he talks about things that will keep us from being forgiven, the unwholesome talk and, and doing that and not grieving the Holy Spirit with whom that you were sealed for the day of redemption. And you can get rid of that bitterness and rage and anger and brawling and slander, but only after God acts first. And then tonight, this is the verse we're going to start with, so I used it as an example. Be imitators of God, therefore, as dearly loved children and live a life of love just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. So there shouldn't be a hand of sexual immorality or, or greed of any kind because it's improper for God's people to act that way. Again, God acts, and then we can do. But it's not until God acts. We don't have the power to decide how to save us. And that's what's wrong with the first one, where we believe we do. We don't. Now, I wish I could say I was smart enough to come up with this all by myself. But I stole a good part of it. It's in a book called Mere Christianity by my favorite Christian writer, C.S. Lewis. And in it, he writes the difference between having nice people or having a new creation. And the difference is so big. And so, what I want you to see is your salvation happened because God acted first. 
He sent Jesus first. And Jesus showed us the way first. And then we started following Jesus. Once we knew the way and once we could follow, we got the new power to change us. But God always acted first. That's going to come out again and again and again as we go forward in the fifth and sixth chapters. Be imitators of God, therefore, as dearly loved children and live a life of love just as Christ loved us and gave himself up as a fragrant offering. That's giving me a lot of lines here, so I'm going to go this way. Just as Christ loved us and gave himself up as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. But among you there must not even be a hint of sexual immorality or any kind of impurity or greed. Because of these, they're improper for God's people. Nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking. But rather, forgive thanksgiving for... You can be sure no immoral, impure, or greedy person has any inheritance in the kingdom of God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. Therefore, don't be partners with them. You were once darkness, but now you're light in the Lord. Live as children of light. For the fruit of the light consists of goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. For it is shameful to mention what the disobedient do in secret. But everything exposed by the light becomes visible. For it is light that makes everything visible. And this is why it is said, Wake up, O sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. He starts out in one of those places that he likes to start out with. Paul starts giving out some examples to get you to see what's coming. And he talks about those who are greedy, those who are more impure or greedy. And he calls them both idolaters. And they don't have any inheritance with Christ or God. So don't let anybody come along and teach you things like this. Now that was hard for me for a while until I read John R. W. Stott's version of it. And Stott says, when it came to, to sexual immorality, that was commonplace in the Roman Empire. Any city you went into, there was always those places that you could go if you wanted to and be sexually immoral, and then came the temple worship. So it was commonplace. But it wasn't so commonplace for greed. 
The way greed was shown was they would wear very nice clothes and they would wear jewelry. If you remember in James chapter 2, he talks about people who come in in nice dress and they have jewelry on and you say, hey, you get the good seats. Which, by the way, were up front. And then he said to the poor guy who didn't have on the fine clothes and he didn't have on the jewelry, you sit at, feet, at somebody's feet. He said, that kind of showmanship isn't what, but you have something that was commonplace and something that was only for a certain group of people. And Stott says what he's doing is saying, this is the start and this is the finish, but there's a lot of stuff in between. And God wants you to know that there's a lot of stuff in between. Now, who would teach such a stuff as what they're saying? There was a group of teachers that were known as the Gnostics. The word Gnostic means knowing one. And the Gnostics claimed there was this special secret that once you got the special secret, you could do anything you wanted physically. And it wouldn't make any difference spiritually. So you could be sexually immoral if you were a Gnostic and it wouldn't affect you spiritually. Or you could be greedy or any of the things in between and because they were physical things it didn't affect your spirituality. So what Paul is saying is watch out for these guys who teach stuff like that. What they're going to do is they're going to tell you anything goes. And it doesn't affect your spirituality, but it does. For this you can be sure. No immoral, impure, or greedy person, such a man's idolater, has an inheritance in the kingdom. Let no one deceive you with empty words. For such things, God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. Don't be partners with them. Don't listen to that gibberish. For you were once darkness, but now you're light in the Lord. Live as children of light. For the fruit of uh, of the light consists of consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord, but have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but expose them. I don't know if you've noticed. Light is always more powerful than darkness. You can't have enough darkness that it blots out light. As you know, we used to have a place on the Chesapeake Bay. My grandparents had the place on the Chesapeake Bay. And we would go out fishing at night. It wasn't for years that I didn't figure out my dad was taking me out at night so I'd fall asleep and they'd get peace and quiet and fish on without us. 
but you better turn your lights on at night because there were boats out there that would run right into you because they'd never see you. So we had green lights and red lights and orange lights and they all came on as soon as darkness hit because light always is brighter than darkness. Those who talk about these things that are darkness, they're telling you that this is the life and this is the way we should go. And he says, oh no, that's darkness. And God gives you light to find out what God wants. Grow in your faith. God got it started and now it's, it's time to grow in your faith. And find out what pleases God. Don't just listen to everybody. Find out. And know the difference. And God will give you the power to do it. Because you who were once darkness have been made light. You have a yearning to do what's right. You want to find out what God wants. Your whole desires have changed because God Acted. And then the last two verses, and we'll bring it in. For it is shameful to mention what the disobedience do in secret. But everything is exposed by the light. And it becomes visible. For the light makes everything visible. This is why it said, Wake up, O sleeper. Rise from the dead and Christ will shine on you. In chapter 2 and in chapter five, 4, he, he made them think back to what it was like before they became Christians. Think back to the way it was when you were disobedient and what you wanted to do and, and the repercussions it had in your life. And look at the life God gave you. Look at the, the difference he made by coming into your life. You see what is good. You see what is right. And because God acted, you have the urge to do it. Every time Paul talks about darkness, he links it with an ignorance that's in us. An ignorance, that for tonight at least, I'm calling having a little Eichmann in us. I've told you before of the guy who came and he was sitting beside me in the gym and he said, I got so drunk I passed out and I didn't wake up for two days. Woo, did I have a good time. And I looked at him and said, how do you know? But to him, that was life. That was what you were shooting for. It had to be good times. God says different. And so he sends Jesus. 
he acts so that we could learn what God was all about. Christ loved us, said he gave himself up for us as a sacrifice for us. He acted first. Now we take advantage of that. He'll take care of your sins. That's why he came. So that your sins could be put on his back. And that he could give us forgiveness and declare us righteous. We don't do it because we have the power to do it. We rely on a cross because we couldn't do it. So if you're sitting here tonight and, and you've never taken advantage of repenting of your sins and being baptized for those sins, what's holding you back? You can't get yourself cleaned up enough. You can't do enough good deeds. You can't do enough that can offset only thing. The only thing that can offset that is Christ's death on the cross. And maybe you've once done that and you've missed it. But God acted so that we can see. If there's a way that we can help you get your life right with Christ, won't you come? Why together we stand and sing.